0: You're listening to the weekly podcast of Liberty Baptist Church in Bristol, Connecticut. We pray you enjoy today's message. So looking today, I'm going to be preaching on something we're calling our process, but really we could say it's our lifestyle. Everything we've preached in regards to this, we've talked about how it applies to us corporately, but we've also talked about how it applies to us as individuals. Because us as individuals making up the corporate body, the church is really an overflow of the lives being lived by those that make it up. And we'll see more of that here in a minute. But So to go over some of the things we've talked about, about who is LBC, we have our core values, which we have into the acrostic liberty, which are loving, inspiring, bold, enthusiastic, relational, we're timeless, and we're yearning to impact the world. Our vision statement in full says Liberty Baptist exists to become a diverse family that inspires people to follow Jesus by multiplying followers of Jesus who love, serve, and invest in our community and beyond. And last week we had Craig, and Craig just, great job, wonderful, wonderful. If you don't know, Craig hates getting clapped at, so I love clapping for him. And so, um, but he preached last week on our mission, how we love God, serve others, and make an impact. Our mission statement is very simple, and it's derived from the two greats that Jesus left with us. The Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And it's really us just saying we're going to be followers of Jesus. But what does that look like in our lives? What's that process? What does our lifestyle look like? What does discipleship look like when you're loving God, serving others, and making an impact? That's a great question, and I'm so glad you asked, because now I get to preach. John chapter 15, we see uh, the first part of our process here, Jesus speaking. He says, verses 1 through 8, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do, say that word with me, nothing. One more time, nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified. Now, Jesus has given us the secret sauce, y'all. He is saying, this is how you glorify my Father. That you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. This is part of Jesus' upper room discourse. This is when Jesus, right before he's going to be crucified, these are the final conversations that he has with his disciples. These are the moments before his death. If this was modern times and he was set to be executed, this would be in the quiet room before he was walked down the hall to the execution chamber. He is with those closest to him and he is talking to them uh, about what it means to abide in Christ, to abide in God even when he is away. He, this, this passage, verses 1-8, through 8, is sandwiched between Jesus speaking about peace and having peace. And then, uh, following this, he talks about Christ-like love. And here in between, he says, this is how you have both of those. You're connected to me. You abide in me. You see, being connected to the vine is the only way to produce fruit. It's the only way that we can grow. You know, if I, I walked outside here. and I I grabbed some of those branches that have fallen off the trees and things, and I, I brought it in, we would see that it looks just like a branch that's on a tree right now, right? There's nothing on it. It's dead. But in a few months, maybe sooner, depending on how this weather's going, right? But in a few months, this branch that I would hold in my hands would be different than the branches on the tree. You see, this branch that I would hold in my hand would not produce anything it would not gain any leaves. It would not produce a flower. If it was attached to a grapevine or something of that nature, it would not produce any fruit. But the branches that are attached to the tree are going to produce fruit. Jesus said, My Father is glorified when you bear much fruit. Jesus, how do we bear much fruit? By being connected to the Father. As Christians, we often live our lives wondering where the abundant life Jesus spoke of is and why we don't have it. But we don't stop to think of how well connected we are to the one who provides that abundant life. You see, if I were to bring a dead branch in here to you, and in three months I held it up and said, Can you guys believe this? This has not bore any fruit. This has no leaves on it. There's no flowers. There is nothing. Can you, can you believe that this branch has not done anything to produce fruit? And you all would look at me like you're an idiot. Of course it's not going to produce much fruit. It's not attached to anything. Christians, we're idiots if we think we'll produce much fruit for the Lord if we're not connected to the Father. If we're living our lives disconnected from God, Monday through Saturday, expecting Sunday to be the day, if I take that branch and I go carve a hole into a tree, I plug it in there on Sundays and I take it out Monday through Saturday, is it going to produce any fruit? No, and neither will we. We We're to abide in God and He abides in us. And from that we can produce much fruit. But without Him we can do nothing. Not a little. Not sometimes. Not potentially, might, possibly be able to someday, somehow get a participation trophy. Nothing. Living a lifestyle honoring to God requires being connected to Him. Now as a church family, that's Sundays. As a corporate body of believers, we don't hold services every day. We hold our worship service on Sunday mornings. We have our Bible study hour for a little deeper study into the Word. And we use answers in Genesis curriculum on every level. So every group is getting the exact same time, uh, lesson of the ex- at their level. And families can go home and talk about it. Parents, if you're afraid to talk to your kids about Scripture because you don't know much about it, if you come to Bible study hour at 10, you'll get a lesson on Noah's Ark, they'll get a lesson on Noah's Ark, and then you can go talk about it. So No excuse. And then we come together here for this time of worship where we sing corporately to praise God, reflect upon our week and the things that have happened and how God's been there for us, to call out to him and let him know, God, we are panting for you like a deer goes after water. And you're so amazing. You're so wonderful. That's what we do corporately. But just as the branch can't get connected to the rest of the tree one day a week and produce anything, neither can you. What we do on Sunday mornings should be an overflow and reflection of your daily life. Wait, pastor, I can worship God on Tuesday? You can. It's cool. Jesus had a conversation with a woman at the well. He said, you're worried about worshiping here, worshiping here. I'm telling you, one day you can go worship wherever you want. That's a Dustin Alley version. You can worship wherever you want. You can worship when the coffee pot don't work might not feel like it, but you can. you can. You can study the Word. You can pray. You can, you can be connected to God individually. You, know, you see, if you're coming in on Sundays, and you haven't been connecting to God, and you walk out from church, you're like, man, that, just, that was like, meh. I'm sorry. However, what happens here is an overflow of your life. Let me illustrate it this way. Super Bowl's going on tonight, if you haven't heard. And for the past couple weeks, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles have been practicing. Just a little. Now, they've had team practices. But many of them have individual trainers. They go and they practice on their own. How many of you have ever played a team sport before? A team sport. Okay, you played a team sport. Have you ever played a team sport and you had a teammate that never practiced on their own? And then showed up to practice. Have you ever played with that guy? Right? You ever been that guy? A couple of you. Okay, great. Thanks, James. Appreciate your honesty there. Uh, <laughs> when that happens, they're having, the coaches and everyone is having to work to now improve the individual and not be able to focus as the, on the team. Right? When we're not connecting to God, Monday through Saturday... And we come in Sunday corporately together, expecting everyone else to connect us to the Lord. We've not been doing our part to edify the body of Christ. And now we're asking the body to be edifying to us because we have nothing to give. Now listen, some of you have had hard weeks. Some of you have had tough lives. Some of you have got things going on in your home right now to where connecting to God can seem extremely difficult. And you're here hurting and broken and you need people to lift you up. Hey, we are here for you. But don't ever replace the, the strength and encouragement you get from your church family with the strength and encouragement and boldness that you can receive from your Father. Because what you gain from God will do much more from you than what you gain from your church family. So we connect to God Monday through Saturday, and we come together corporately here to connect to Him through worship and praise and edification and prayer. And we do all this because it's an overflow of how our week has been. So if you're coming in and you're saying, wow, Jordan, wow, worship was, eh. pastor, your message, eh. did you even try? Did you chat GPT, that thing? I mean, come on. Some of you got what I just said. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. That's okay. Like, what, what's, what's happening? Listen, I'm not perfect. And I could come in, let me tell you, I've preached a dud or three in my life. But I ask you the question, if you come into church and you say, ah, it just wasn't like, ah, oh, whatever. Is that a reflection upon us or is that a reflection upon you? Is that your heart towards God or is that our heart towards God and you? You see, if I come up here and yell, scream for 10 minutes and don't make any sense and don't bring any edification or value, that's on me. I didn't do my part to connect with God as I'm responsible to so I can come together and edify the body of Christ with my gifts, talents, and abilities. Are you connecting to God throughout your week? Are you living a lifestyle? that allows you to know what it's like to worship daily? Or are you trying to be the dead branch that gets connected one day a week and are asking why there's no fruit in your life? The first step in our process as a church family and the first step as a believer in Christ is to be connected to God. Now, how does that happen? The first step is faith in Jesus. If you don't have faith in Jesus as your Savior, if you don't believe he is the Son of God that lived a perfect, sinless life, that died on a cross for your sins and rose again the third day, you can't be connected to God. You're at enmity with God. But the Bible says, if you believe that, thou shalt be saved. Romans chapter 10. And then when we're connected to God by grace through faith, we can live a life that's connected to God by abiding in Him daily. You say, Pastor, I don't like reading the Bible. Okay, listen to it. Pastor, I don't like listening to it. Okay, you have a problem. I... I I love, I love and I hate K-Love. I love the fact there's a ministry like that. I hate when they have their giving campaigns. Okay, see, you know what I'm talking about. All of you, thank you so much. I get it, right? Aren't you glad church isn't that way? Amen, right? Oh, Lord, I'd quit. But I'm so thankful for them. They had a 30-day challenge. They have an ongoing 30-day challenge. Listen to K-Love for 30 days, and I challenge you, do the same. Listen to gospel, pre- gospel music, whether it's K-Love or you have something else on your iTunes or your Spotify or Pandora or YouTube. or How, how many streaming services are we going to have? Come on, y'all. Whatever you're listening to, listen to some good godly music and only that for 30 days. Now, if it's K-Love, not during a giving campaign. Turn it off. Give some money and turn it off. But listen to that. See how it affects your spirit. Jordan and I were talking this morning before service. He texted me and said, "You ready to worship?" I almost said, "Like, I'm." Anyways, I almost just told him, "Like the Hulk, you know, the secret to to my life, you know." For him, he's always angry. I'm always worshiping. Everything I do is worship. My head's about this big, right? But we should be worshiping God with our lives and stay connected to Him because if we're not connected to Him, we can do what's the word. Oh, y'all too asleep on me now. What's the word? Nothing. nothing. We can do nothing. But when we abide in him and he abides in us, we can bear much fruit. The next step that we have, we find a biblical basis for in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. The Bible says, And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. There's a promise from God. Search for him and you will find him. It's not like you're playing hide-and-seek with the 11-year-old that can scrunch up into some weird place where you have to finally just give up. He's not not hiding behind a bush going, ha-ha, they'll never get me here. He says, if you search for me, you will find me. How many of us are searching? How many of us have been seeking? Where is God? Where is God? He's right there. And he said, if you're looking for him, you'll find him. Now, now after we find him, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, inside of this series, I think I've mentioned this verse quite a bit because we're talking about gathering together as a church. But tonight, when you get together with friends, family, loved ones, people you love, people you hate, you can get together watching a Super Bowl, and it can be a Christian fellowship. Did you know that? Because when you gather with other believers, whether it's on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock, 10 a.m. for Bible study, 11 a.m., a family night, a tailgate Sunday afterwards, Wednesday Wednesday evening for life group, or Saturday mornings for old men to get hurt on a football field, whatever it is, it could be a Christian fellowship. Because God's called us to get together and provoke one another unto love and good works. We often look at the church... And our time together is a time to bear one another's burdens and a time to share prayer requests and things of that nature. And those are great. Those are are things we should do. But we shouldn't stop there. Because we've been called to provoke one another to love and good works. So what does it look like to have this type of lifestyle as a part of LBC? Well, our ministry has decided that for us, we grow closer to the Lord and each other through life groups, through small, intimate connections with people. So on Wednesday nights, we provide programming to reflect that. At 6.30 p.m., there are two life groups that meet here, one at my house. There is a children's program downstairs and a youth program that operates upstairs. And all of them operate for one sole function, to grow closer to him and to grow closer to each other. That's it. That's their purpose. You see, if you're a person that's not a part of a life group, I encourage you to do that. Because I believe when something's important to you, you make time for it. We've Now listen, if you guys think that Craig and myself and Jordan and our whole staff work at putting on programming and events just because we're bored and want something to do, you've lost your minds. You know how many video games I could be playing? We believe in growing closer to God than each other. We believe in every service, every event, everything we put on. And our staff, our volunteers, we put everything into it to make it the best possible thing it can be so that people that come to us corporately can be a part of what's happening and grow closer to God and each other with us. Because if it's important, you make time for it. But when it's not important, you'll make that other thing. Do you know what the other thing is? Excuses. You'll make excuses for it. If you want to find a reason not to come to church on Sunday morning, I guarantee you can find it. If you want to find a reason not to be a part of a life group, you will find it. It's too late. The kids need to go to bed. I'm tired after work. This, that, and the other thing. You'll find something. Some of you, and some people I've spoke to, maybe someone listening on live stream this morning, some people have an excuse not to come to church that says, I was hurt, I was molested, I was abused, and I have been mentally, physically, and spiritually broken down by Christians, and I'm just scared. Can I tell you, those are conversations that we have with people regularly. See, those aren't excuses. Those are reasons to love them. Those are reasons to open your arms like the father of the prodigal son and say, come home. Come unto me, all ye are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what Jesus said. See, to those, we open up our doors. We open up our arms and our hearts to them. But if we want a reason not to do something, we'll find it. We have sign-ups for our groups uh, about every 10 or 12 weeks. Now, just because sign-ups is ended doesn't mean you can't attend a group. They're always open. I will never tell someone that you can't grow closer to God and each other through Liberty Baptist Church and our ministries by saying, No, you missed sign-ups. Sorry. No, you could be a part of a life group at any time. Now, what about your personal life? How are you growing closer to God and each other in your personal life? Are you spending time with other Christians to build and and edify them? Are you spending time in the Word yourself to to grow closer to Him? Or are you dependent upon someone else for your relationship with God? You see, you can be as close to God as you want to be. So how close are you? Pastor, I want to be closer. Great. What are you doing about it? Living a lifestyle that's reflective of a follower of Jesus is one lived with intentionality, is one lived with commitment, and is one lived without excuse for how close I am to my Heavenly Father. Connecting to God is the foundation, and from that we grow closer to Him and each other as we spend time with one another and build each other up the third step of the process, the third step of a lifestyle that's committed to Jesus is in 1st Peter chapter 4 verse 7 and it's really an overflow of how connected you are and how much you've grown. It's this but the end of all things is at hand be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves for charity or love Shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, which means to serve, let him do it as of the ability which God gives, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now one of the first things I'd like for you to notice here in verse 7 is that Peter, the Apostle Peter, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, makes the statement, The end of all things is at hand. This was about 2,000 years ago. You see, this is a reason you won't hear me preach end times things often. Because Peter said he was in the end times. Now, if if we don't believe that, then that's fine. You can argue with Peter and the Holy Spirit. Are we in the end times now? Absolutely. Was he in the end times then? Absolutely. But what did he say to do because the end is nigh? Now, this was 2,000 years ago. We're 2,000 years closer to being with Jesus than we were 2,000 years ago. Surprise. What did he say to do because of that? Look out unto the world and figure out the date he's coming back? Look out and decide what's this and what's that regarding prophecy? No. He said, be sober and watch unto prayer. Be clear-minded. doesn't just mean don't be drunk, although don't be drunk. But it means to have a, have a clear mind. Watching unto prayer for the Lord's return. The Bible says to pray for Jesus' return. And, and then... And he talks about not being foolish. That's, that's being sober, clear-minded. Don't be foolish. Don't say foolish things. Have fervent charity. Have fervent love. If we believe we're living in the end times and that Jesus is coming back, the Bible has one prescription for us of what we're to be doing. Love. We're to be loving people. We're to use hospitality with one another. Not grudging. We're to be good stewards of the gifts God's given us. All right, I'm going to ask a question. Where are my introverts at? I'm not gonna call you out just real quick. Thank you so much. And for every introvert that didn't raise their hand, I love you and respect you too. Okay. My extroverts, see, now y'all don't have a problem with this, right? You're like, hey, right here, right here. Okay, great. That's good. Now, see, for me, getting up here and talking and doing this, this is as natural as breathing. But there's some of you, if I looked at you and said, hey, I need you to preach on Sunday, you know I quit, I'm out. But there's a man I spoke to last week. He talked about his life and how God had moved in, and how he now uses his carpentry abilities uh, for the Lord. Now thank God for him, because guess who can't do woodwork? Had a conversation with this man this morning about, about a man with the man this morning about an electrical issue we're having at church. Guess who's not good with electricity? We've got ladies downstairs working over food and making sure that all that's set up and nice. Guess who's really bad at that? God's gifted me with the ability of speaking to public in public. He's given me the ability of teaching. And if I don't use those gifts and abilities with love in the end times that we're in, serving people with hospitality, then I'm, I'm not obeying God. What are your gifts and abilities God has given you in this life? And are you using them with love to glorify God? He says, if you speak, speak the oracles of God. What was it like a Toby Mack quote? Speak life or something like that? Carolyn, I'm looking at you. Yeah, it's, yeah, okay. Me and Toby Mack have a love hate relationship. I love to hate him, okay? And so I'm kidding. His music's okay. Uh, But he he says, speak life. There's a lot of truth there. We're to speak life. We're to, you know, I love the song. I think we've sang it. I speak the name of Jesus over you. We're, We're to speak grace and mercy and truth and love into people's lives. Oh, but how often can we come in and we're so focused on what's happening with us, what's happening around us, that we forget to focus on who's in front of us. I thank God that Jesus didn't forget to focus on who was in front of him when he was on that cross. When the sin that he bore made it so excruciating for him, he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know who was in front of him? Me. My sin. Your sin. And he stayed right there. Serving the church, serving the community, that's what we're about. We are a people that love to serve, and I'm so thankful for that. That's proven time and time again when we ask for things. We've got a great group of people. We've had, what, Miss Tally, where are we, like four or five mill trains going over like the last few months, and we haven't had to really reach out to get a bunch of people in because it's just been happening. Because people have said, I'll serve, I'll do this. You see, a church's service to itself and to the community are a reflection of your willingness to serve in your personal life. What we do corporately as a church is a reflection of your walk with God. So if we look at a church and we say, well, the church isn't doing this, the church isn't doing that, the church doesn't this, the church doesn't that, it doesn't make me feel, it doesn't help me do, it's, my question for you is, are you going to God for any of that? Are you expecting a flawed man to try to help you do it? Your individual walk with the Lord is what makes Liberty Baptist Church who it is. And if you don't have a heart of service, then Liberty Baptist doesn't have a heart of service. And see, we have, we have a kingdom mindset here. What's a kingdom mindset? Now, a kingdom mindset, it says, I'm here for the kingdom of God. I'm not here for Liberty Baptist Church. I'm here for the gospel. That's why I'm thankful to serve with churches of like faith, Bridge Community. We've talked to Hillside. We've talked to Grace Baptist. And there are others. If it's a gospel preaching church that aligns with our doctrine, uh, then I'm, I'm good. With doing that, they can dress different, act different, talk different, worship different, and all that stuff. But we're here for the kingdom. That's why I'm I'm, I'm thankful to have the opportunity of those pastors and stuff. And hey, let me let me talk to you for a minute. I want to go. I want to jump back to life groups because I left something out. But God's put it on my heart. I need to say this this morning. Um, parents, let me just say it's not your teenager's responsibility to determine whether or not they're attending church on Sundays or Wednesdays. It's your responsibility as a parent to train up a child in the way they should go and make the things of God a priority over the things of the world. Now you say, Pastor, I've got this practice. I've got this music thing. Okay, I get that. And you want them involved. They're going for college. they are going for stuff like that. Then let me help you find a gospel preaching youth group that they could attend on another night. Pastor, you don't want them a part of our youth group? I want them connected to God more than Craig. And he's the same way. We're not here to increase numbers. We're here to increase followers of Jesus Christ. Now, if you can make it to youth group, make it to youth group. Teenagers, you get up tired, you got homework, you ain't feeling good. Church is important. It's a priority. Because I see people shaking their heads right now. And you know what I bet? I bet I can talk to those that are really shaking your head and into it. It wasn't a priority for you as a teenager, was it? Yeah, I get that. Me either. And we know where our lives went, don't we? You see young people, you see those of you that are teenagers, I know I've got a good pocket right here, and I see some more spread out. I don't ever speak anything like this, so you can hate me. I love you, I think you're amazing, mainly because I don't have to teach you and see you every week. But uh, I want the best for you. I want you to know God like I know God now. Because if I knew God like I do now back then, I wouldn't have done the drugs, I wouldn't have been involved in the alcohol or the other things that my life went towards because I would have known God. You see, coming to church and having accountability, Tony Evans said it this way, we brought our kids to church so they knew that other people were just as weird as us. Amen. They need to know there are people that believe in Jesus Christ because there is a whole world out there that doesn't there is a concerted effort that we see time and time again if you watch the Grammys God bless you and you need some prayer but if you saw what the events that took place there it's no longer hidden it's not in the the shadows CBS responded to the tweet that said the performer was doing it Said we're ready to worship and then here comes this guy out with a red top hat on and horns as they put horns on everybody out there and it was one of the most demonic things that have ever taken place Oh, it's just a—it's just an act. Sure. I agree with you. Were they worshiping the devil? You know, they probably in their hearts were not worshiping Satan in that moment. I'll give them that. But were they worshiping God? Was it edifying to you and your family to have sat down and watched that? Are the TikToks that your teenagers are watching pushing them closer to God or not? Every teen in here just went, whoop. Oh. We give them these phones, we give them this access, and we expect them to turn out for God when we turn them over to the Roman government. Parents, we got to step up. All right, off my hobby horse. We serve. We serve the church. We serve the community. We have a kingdom mindset. If they preach the gospel, I'm going to serve with them. Why? Because my life and the life of this church is not about elevating my name, the name of this church, or anything else except for the name of Jesus. And if I can partner with other people that will do that, I'm going to partner with them. You say, Pastor, I want to serve Jesus with my life, but I don't know how. Fantastic. Let's chat after the service. I'll be downstairs eating. The third step in the process that I'm talking about here is officially to serve the community. Serve the community of believers. Serve the community at large. The last step is the reason we do it all. Mark, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The gospel. You see, if you remember a few weeks ago, I told you I have an agenda for you. If we have any sort of relationship, I have an agenda for you. It is for you to have trusted Jesus as your Savior. It is for you to take steps of faith to grow closer to him. And it's for you to help others do the same. That's my agenda for your life. If we're friends, know that. When we serve, we are not serving just so, as Craig preached last week, we can give food, we can give money, we can give clothes. You see, I don't want to just give them a fish. I want to introduce them to the one that can teach them to fish. I want to introduce them to the one that can help them with their mental health. I want to introduce them to the one that can help with their emotional health. I want to introduce them to the one that can save their soul. We can hand out... Jam for Jesus all day. As long as we're making sure to introduce them to Jesus. We, we share the gospel. We print outreach cards. Hey guys, on the backs of your chairs, you should have a white card. It's a Liberty Baptist outreach card. Go ahead and pull that out right now. Everyone reach down there and pull one out right now. There should be one in the back of every single chair that's here. Miss Nina does a great job every week of making those there. On the back of that track, or on the back of that outreach card is the gospel on the right hand side. Picture of an ugly guy with a beautiful family. And on the right hand side, you've got this amazing gospel presentation, short and sweet. We don't just print those to be decoration. Those are for you to take and give to someone you curious about how to share the gospel? Share those verses, tell them your story about Jesus, and you got it. It's not just about inviting them to church. I don't care if you hand that out in the middle of New Mexico. Go tell someone about Jesus, because that's what we are called to do. We, we run social media campaigns. We host events. We have our regular programming for one reason and one reason alone. The advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who is Liberty Baptist Church? A people that love God, serve others, and make an impact by connecting to Him, growing closer to Him and each other, serving the community, and sharing the gospel locally and worldwide. You know, we've got people right now that had reached out to me a month or two ago and said, Pastor, what do you think about a missions trip? I think it's a great idea. What do you think about planning it? Sounds good. I'll do it. Great. So we got them connected, and there's behind-the-scenes conversations of what a mission trip's going to look like for our church in the next year or so. We support over 20-plus missionaries around the globe right now. Because of our faith promise reduction this last year of approximately $5,000, we're going to have to cut some of those organizations. I'll let you know, but we're going to have to do that. You see these missionaries, these church planners that are in different parts of the country, that are in different parts of the world, they've given up everything to say, I'm going to go and reach people for Jesus. They're doing somewhere else what we're called to do right here. Not just as a pastor, as a Christian. Can you financially support them? You can give every week. Mark missions on the little thing there. Or you can give through scanning the QR code. Say, Pastor, I can't do that. All right, will you pray for them? Need a list of them? We can get it to you. We highlight missionaries every week in our newsletter. It's on our prayer sheet that's attached to it. We pray for our missionaries every month when we have our prayer team meeting, the first Sunday night of the month at five thirty. We are about getting the gospel out to the community here and worldwide. Now let's let's stop talking about what we do. But let me ask you: What are you doing to share the gospel locally and worldwide? Does your life reflect one that is so enamored, so under the influence of Jesus, that you can't help but share that message with the people you know? If not, why not? This morning, ask yourself, what's keeping me from having that type of relationship with Jesus, where I'm committed to being connected to him? where I'm committed to growing closer to him and my fellow believers, where I'm committed to serving in his name, I'm committed to sharing the gospel message that saved my soul. What's keeping me from having that lifestyle? Because you're as close to God as you want to be. How close are you? What could you do to get closer? Would you bow with me, please? At the end of every message, we have what's known as a time of response. This morning, the question is very simple Are you as close to God as you want to be? Because I believe a person that's close to God lives their lifestyle in a way that connects to Him, grows closer to Him and fellow believers, serves the community around them, and shares the gospel. If that lifestyle doesn't reflect yours, what's stopping you? What's holding you back? Is it something like I, I can't commit to that because I don't know what people will think of me? I don't know what my friends would say? Is it your job? Is it your business? Is it something just keeping you here and so attached to this world that you care for it more than the Lord? What's got a grip on you? Would you release that grip this morning? Would you pray, Holy Spirit, work on me and, and release that hold that this has on me. Parents, I will talk to you for just a minute. Have you not been intentional with your parenting? Have you been allowing your kids to raise themselves when it comes to the matters of the Lord? Have you not been pointing them to the things of God? Those notes weren't in the outline. But as the Holy Spirit leads me to say these things, I pray that one parent here this morning will go to God and just say, Holy Spirit of God, help me. Give me the strength, the wisdom to have a rhythm of life with business and, and job and my kids, my family. Husbands, we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Will you give up anything for your family? This morning, I haven't presented the gospel extremely clearly, so let me do that for you for just a moment. The gospel of Jesus Christ, or the good news, is about his death, burial, and resurrection. As the perfect son of God that lived a life, he died on the cross for your sins, and he rose again the third day. If you believe that this morning, the Bible says you're saved. If you don't, I'd love to talk to you about it. Christians this morning, yet you believe that message, How's your life reflecting the good news of Jesus? Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise you this morning. We thank you so much for giving us Jesus. For without him, we have no hope. We have no salvation. God, we have no means of connecting to you to bear fruit whatsoever. We don't deserve you as a God. We don't deserve the abundant life you've promised Or to be a part of the ministry that you've called us to. But God, this morning, I pray that each of us would recognize who we are in you. What you've called us to to be. The lifestyle you've called us to live. And help us to make daily choices that reflect your heart. Holy Spirit of God, I ask for conviction in my own life and the lives of every person that hears me today. If we are not being intentional, break our hearts. Lead us to repentance, Lord. And help us to seek you. So we know we'll find you. You've promised that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.